0: The Loose Cannons Podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language... ...such as poop and titty... ...and descriptions of mature situations... ...such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing... ...and don't want to have the twists ruined for you... Please watch the film before listening to the podcast. Indigestion, constipation that comes and goes. If you're not having normal bowel movements every day, you can suffer from a buildup of toxins that cause upset stomach, constipation, excess gas, or intestinal discomfort. Plus, you could be holding up to 4.5 pounds of fecal waste if you're going to the bathroom only once a day. But now there's colon flow. Non-prescription colon flow is scientifically formulated with key ingredients to help restore normal bowel function.
1: Hey everyone, it's another episode of Loose Cannons coming at you. Pow pow, pow 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 pow. Today we're going to be discussing 2012's Leviathan, directed by Lucian, Castine-Taylor and Verena Paraval. But before we do that, let's do this. It's that segment you know and love. We call it Heralds and Denouncements. Patrick, do you have anything for us today?
0: Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a a weird herald. Um, I'm gonna herald the movie Kill Bill. Uh, <laughs> just the whole thing. Uh, I, I'm the whole gonna her- damn thing. The, the whole bloody affair, as it's called on the, uh, I guess like special edition DVD or whatever. Uh, I'm going to herald the movie, but I'm also going to say that it has fallen uh, considerably in my estimation of the way I I used to feel about it. I used to feel like it was a five-star movie, and now I feel much less like that, mostly stemming from a lot of the things that happened in the first volume. Uh, The beginning of the whole thing just feels a little too... I don't know. I guess to... Uh, to quote the parlance of the times a little too extra um tarantino feels like he's a little too he's a little he's a little feeling himself too much at the beginning of it and there are some completely like superfluous unnecessary parts within the movie where i'm just like i don't think this needed to be here it just seems like a lame joke so i um i like it overall i think there's some scenes in it that are still excellent uh there's still some performance in it that are excellent but you know uh a lot more things in it that i look at now and i'm like this didn't this didn't age well this doesn't need to be here um and this isn't it or just plain isn't as good as i remembered it being
2: you mean the fact that a woman in a miramax film exacting (laughs) revenge on a sexual predator (laughs) Hasn't aged well.
0: <laughs> that's I mean, one
1: of the parts about it that's good, though. Sure
2: is.
0: Not not the not the revenge <laughs> necessarily, but the 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 whole like sort of superfluous like. Uh, I I don't know how you would qualify it, but it's a rape subplot, where, <laughs> you know, Uma Thurman's character Buck. is yeah being, being raped continuously by these men that this orderly brings in and it was I was like this didn't need to be here at all like it just you know we we get that she's getting revenge on a man like there's enough in the film that signifies what that's supposed to be about like it, it just feels like overkill on the subject where it's like we get that it's a female empowerment movie you don't need to give us this gross subplot within the movie and then have her drive around in this truck called the Pussy Wagon where I was just like this joke did not age well at all like the that whole I mean I don't know she could have stolen any car like the fact that she has that truck doesn't ever really pay off in any way I mean it is
3: except years later when (laughs) Lady Gaga steals it for her (laughs) video with Beyonce
1: (laughs)
0: I guess I don't know. I'm joking. Yeah. I don't like it either. <laughs> and I don't like I don't like Chuck. Uh, but yeah, Chuck that can
3: get the fuck out of that Buck. movie. Buck. Oh, Buck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of the movie Chuck and Buck, which also <laughs> has a rhyme about fucking in it.
0: It is a similar name. Yep. But that and the whole backstory of Orenishi, I was like. Didn't It wasn't necessary. Like, none of the other Deadly Viper Squad get that kind of a backstory. And I was like, why is this here other than to be like, anime is cool. Like, my movie yeah. is cool because it's Tantina wanted to
1: direct an anime film.
0: And it's what? like, here's some more gore and, you know, child sexualization in your anime, like... Patrick
1: said, why is it here? And I said, that's why. Because Quentin Tarantino wanted to direct an anime film. And he hmm. couldn't come up with a good reason to do it. I
0: guess so. so.
1: he just threw one in another film.
3: Yep. This is probably the least uh, positive <clears throat> herald in uh, the history
1: of yeah. this podcast. <laughs> that's, uh, I'm,
0: that's what I'm
1: That's for. not sure. Yeah. I think the least positive herald in the history of this podcast is I think it was called The Salt of the Earth, a movie which we sounded very ambivalent on. Yeah. And then eventually put it on this worst of the year list. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I, mean, I think I, I, the reason
2: I wanted to put it on my heralds was like some like the fact that I went to a cinema to watch it was just like, oh, it's nice to go to a theater again. <laughs> but actually this movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Funny. like my memory of your herald of it was like this terrible movie is very beautiful Yeah. And Basil and I both talking afterwards like was that a herald <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh,
1: Basil
3: um uh, I'm trying to decide most of what I saw is gonna come up uh, at the end of the year,
2: what about election.
3: Yeah, I've already heralded that. I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I. Heralded I think you it should herald apocalypse now, uh, the Redux version, <laughs> even though it's not as good. As the... Well,
3: yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't. <laughs> it, there's no special rating when I wrote my review. Like, that was like at best a three-star experience for me. Some of it not related to the. Uh-huh, to the movie itself like I think that the extra stuff doesn't really add a lot but also like there's something wrong with my friend's TV or something so the movie looked like too yellow and I was like this isn't as good as this movie should look the reason this movie is so good is because it looks so good and so now I'm just watching this crappy looking version of a less good version of a movie I just watched a month ago Are you gonna call it the Mistress
1: America effect? Yep.
3: I think it might have actually been the same effect. He was playing it <laughs> off his laptop, so if he has one of those uh, um, like, blue light filter things or whatever, he probably didn't turn it off. And then I thought about that, but then no one else seemed to bother, be bothered by it. So, and so I was like, I don't want to be the weird person <laughs> who's I like can't. really trying to micromanage this viewing experience for everyone. It was a bad way to watch that movie anyway. I feel like a group isn't a good setting unless it's, like, in a movie theater because people were just, like, getting up to go to the bathroom and, like, looking at their phones and, like, eating, like, really loudly.
0: And I was just like, this isn't the right way to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) then they're, like, asking you, like, who's that guy? What's he doing? Why are they It's only very
1: (laughs) tangentially related, but you not wanting to say anything. Watching the movie reminds me of Mina Kimes talking about board games and saying that she enjoys board games, but because she's such a hyper-competitive person, they're extremely fraught for her because she has to pretend like she's chill when she's playing them with her friends. <laughs> like when someone like breaks like a minor rule or something like that, she has to be like, hmm, no one else is going to say anything? I guess I won't, you know, scream <laughs> about this. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Ashley's extremely competitive too, and we played games the other day. And uh, there was a moment when, like, I let them go, uh, her team go ahead when it was like kind of a borderline decision. But I was like, oh, they're behind anyway; it doesn't really matter. It's whatever. And then when they started catching up, someone uh, on her team said, oh, we might beat you yet. And then she's like, yeah, but I won't count it because we cheated. <laughs> She's really, she wants to win, and she wants to win fairly.
1: Did you make a but decision?
3: An, uh, yeah. Election's a good movie. Should <laughs> <laughs> go back to the episode there I held it before and listen to that. <laughs> Matthew Broderick's extremely good in it. I, yeah. As I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, he would definitely win like my performance of the year." I think in nineteen ninety nine, it's extremely funny. What about Kevin Spacey? Yeah. <laughs> oh no! I'm even uh, more mad that Richard Farnsworth didn't win that year when I wanted him to.
1: Yeah, he was pretty good too. Someone on uh, Twitter is doing a teen movie poll from 1995 to 2001, and Basil's and My Favorites just got eliminated because uh, Election and Josie and the Pussycats made it to the top six. Mm. But they didn't make it to the top four.
2: Sad. I did vote, but it didn't He's help.
0: Doing this poll? Who
1: are these people?
0: What is, it? What is in this is poll?
3: 1995 the cutoff so that Clueless
1: just won't run away with it? i I think so yes (laughs) i I mentioned it because i wasn't thinking about the year Mm the coolest was released and someone was like because first they did like a teen actor poll and i was like okay you know i think kirsten dunst won that (laughs) and i was like she has like a lead but like i don't feel like she's like a queer favorite there were other reasonable contenders but then i was like because alicia silverstone had been in the last poll i was like clueless is just gonna run away with this and then she was like clueless is 1994 and i was like oh did you choose 1995 she was like that was one of the reasons <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything to talk about Ilya? uh
2: no only 2017 movies for me right now so Oops. we'll talk about them later
1: well that's what i'm gonna talk about is a 2017 movie Mm. Um, so this I'm doing the same thing kind of that I did on Justice League, where this is a movie that I actually watched a little while ago, um and would have been on my on the Honorable Mentions podcast. Um, but I just saw that it's getting a release in uh Atlanta and Nashville this week. Which makes me assume that it's getting a release other places, so I figure Give it a Herald and uh, people can go see it maybe if anyone listens to this and has uh, the ability to access Aki Korosmaki's new film, The Other Side of Hope, Mm. which is about a Syrian refugee who comes to Finland Um, and it has, you know, if you've seen a Korosmaki film before, Mm. it fits very neatly into what he's been doing. with this whole career but for some reason the raised stakes of it being uh refugee made the you know sort of flat aesthetic and like extreme like low-key like banal humor of it you, hmm. you know like even more affecting um than his than his other films it's a part where uh the refugee is being interviewed by like an immigration board um, in one scene and it's just, you know, this, it's just a shot of him like straight on pretty much like just directly talking to the camera about like these really horrible things that he's escaping from but never delivered in, you know, like an oscar emotional way just like a even, you know, less emotional version of like the interview in 400 Blows where... Yeah, Antoine Chouineau was just talking in the camera about all his poverty experiences. Uh, yes. And it was like one of my favorite scenes of the year in terms of just like making me feel no. really upset. So um, it would have fallen into my theme for the honorable mentions um, of movies that I wasn't expecting to like because I hadn't liked the last couple Krasimaki films that I Watched or I like them way less than I used to mm-hmm. when I rewatched them, but uh, I like this one a lot. It's probably my favorite now, and it's like 15th yeah. <coughs> um, right now in 2017. Could move down if I watch more good films, but mm-hmm. cool. One of my favorite films of the year.
3: Yeah, if it comes to Portland, I'll definitely see it because I haven't seen any of his movies and. Uh, not very much stuff is coming out lately that I, I feel like I saw almost yeah. everything that I wanted to see this year that is coming yeah. out in theaters.
1: In theaters, yeah, I'm getting down to just a couple more that I know of. If I, um, the new Lynn Ramsey is not going to be coming out, is it? Anyone no, that comes out in so. February now. Yeah. I got back. So, um, for sure I want to see They Call Me By Your Name. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah
2: call me by your name yeah.
1: call me by your name yeah and uh, I want to see Coco and uh, Geostorm still and there are a couple films yeah. there I probably will see but that I wouldn't say like I'm excited to see like um, Roman J. Israel in New and 8 uh, and Pitch Perfect 3 and Downsizing <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'm gonna see downsizing, but <coughs> even after a election, so much on um, third watch in the last like year and a half, I am not excited for downsizing. But uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, Um yeah. I I actually kind of wanted to see uh, Novitiate, but it's already gone. Like it only played for a week here. Uh, it was. Had to make room for a disaster artist, which is playing like a zillion times a day at the three screen theater that's playing it.
1: I don't think I'm gonna see that one.
3: I'm gonna see it on Wednesday.
0: <laughs> well, wow. bold move. Not gonna see the most one of the most talked about indie movies of the year. Indie movies.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, I guess uh, moving on to no, no. Leviathan, which was my pick, and um, there's no plot to this movie. Uh, it is a experimental experiential documentary that takes place on a fishing boat, um, and there's no arc. It's really just a collection of shots of things that happen either on or slightly off uh, fishing boat um, with a lot of interesting filmmaking techniques but nothing that you would really describe in this section of the podcast Mm because there's no (coughs) no plot no arc, no characters just images Patrick, what do you think?
0: Um... I felt similarly to this film the way that you describe your feelings on A Spell to Ward Off the Darkness, which was I watched this movie, <laughs> and I didn't really feel one type of way or the other about it. I was just kind of like, well, that was something that I just experienced, and I don't really <laughs> have a feeling about it, because...
1: So it was an experiential documentary you
0: experienced it 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 sure was it sure did live up to its genre title (laughs) Uh, yeah that was pretty much how i felt about it
3: basil um i feel in the middle in this but you know less like i just saw it way in a more acutely ambivalent way where there were some shots that I thought were like really beautiful and really strange and really like alienating and cool and I was like well this is a really cool shot but then I felt like almost every shot lasted so long that then I got used to it and I was like oh this isn't cool and alienating anymore now I'm like a little bored like I feel like the kind of uh, fidelity to um, like reality especially in terms of uh the the sound or whatever was like oh i would have liked this movie a lot more if they tried to be a little more like artful about it and tried to kind of um uh like weave things in especially there's like the shot with um the one of the shots of the seagulls where the camera kept going in and out of the water and it would like do the like sound underwater sound and come up every time and I was like, Oh, the first time this was kind of cool. But when it does it like 18 times in a row, it's just like pretty annoying to listen to. <laughs> and I was like, you don't it, like if it was like no sound and that I feel like it would be a lot cooler and more affecting or whatever. And, uh, in general, I think that like, you know, it never comes back to anything like, like it's like shot and then it's like lasts however long it lasts, like sometimes two or three or four minutes. And then the next thing is like something completely different, but like I feel like you could have done a kind of like intercutting of things and then, you know, uh created something that felt a little more uh like abstracted in its form as well as like what it's actually depicting.
2: Anyway.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Um Yeah, I think I uh, I feel a little bit ambivalent about this movie too. But I I think I should. I mean, I thought that uh, uh, it was pretty impressive how I mean it 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 showed the way it depicted uh, labor in this movie. I thought was really interesting. I thought that like the idea of like work in its like very. Without people talking about it or really much background around it, and just like getting thrust into the work that these fishermen kind of do, was interesting. I thought it was an interesting way of approaching it. Um, Actually, this movie felt a little bit like a sci-fi movie for a bit for me. Like I'd never seen fishing boats depicted like that way, or like this the way the sea felt a bit like uh like space, this like weird thudding, constantly like rushing sound, I thought was really uh really cool, like i th- again, like a lot of aspects of this I thought was were were really interesting, and yet, um I also felt like um, it never really amounted to much more than like moments when I felt like this is cool, and then where I didn't feel much um, so uh, I'm also a little bit ambivalent about what the documentary like it seems to be and am from like reading a little bit about like what the filmmakers try to intend with it was like okay we kind of hate documentaries we don't want to tell you what to think we don't want to tell you anything we just want to like put you into this space and like let you figure it out and I'm like that's cool but like you're still doing this, pretending that documentaries don't have a perspective than if you think that this doesn't have a perspective. Like you're still like doing the fake objectivity thing, And I don't (laughs) believe in that and I feel like it's even more Mm -hmm. obtuse to kind of say, well we hate documentaries and blah blah blah, which is like fine, but like our documentary isn't anything like that, like ours is Mm -hmm. like real. I'm like, what? No, it's not. It's like super, highly stylized and everything. Like, how is this real? Like, it's it's very unreal. That's kind of what like interesting about it. Um, but okay, anyway, that's already kind of getting into it a bit much. Into so. um, the weeds. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I'm close to the same boat, maybe a little bit higher as the rest of y'all. I thought it was fine. Um, I liked it okay. I think I could have liked it a little bit more if it weren't for a pretty petty and frivolous reason, which is that like the movie opens with this like very teen goth font. <laughs> um with this like super serious, obtuse quote from the Bible. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it kinda ends in the same way and I'm like <clears throat> okay. So you have told me how I have to feel about this movie via this beginning. Like mm. you set up this framing that's inescapable and like if I could just sort of enjoy what I do or don't about the movie, I would probably like it more. Give it maybe three and a half stars, or I don't know, maybe maybe even higher. I can't tell you exactly how much that affected me, but like from the very first moment I was just sort of like Nobody tells me what to do, think. <laughs> like, oh. Especially when, you know, you're going to do it in such a dumb way. And then when, you know, the only music uh, <coughs> that appears in the movie is Mastodon, it just made me think of like Metalheads mm-hmm. and their, their own sort of super serious, like internalized look at me type thing. And everything that Ilya's saying is playing into that feeling that I got as well. Mm. And it's like yeah, I mean, I probably should like this movie more. Some shots are pretty astoundingly beautiful, but I also got kind of bored and like the things that I really liked about it I ended up being like off board with by the end of the film. Like I th- you know, there's a part where um they're just cutting up stingrays and they're just like cutting off the wings and then mm. throwing like 60% of the stingray into the garbage and then they just like kick it <laughs> Off of the boat and I was like, oh, this is really sad It's a really sad look at what humans do, but like I couldn't Actually totally get there in terms of sadness because like I just kept thinking about like metal music
3: <laughs> Life is brutal <laughs> Yeah, um,
0: to 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 bring it back to uh, a spell to ward off the darkness. At least that movie is like pretty upfront about its like metal leanings, where it's like explicitly <laughs> about someone who is a metal singer. And I was just like, okay, like this movie is like leaning into the black metal stuff. This movie kind of wants to pretend that it's not leaning that way, although it does have that ridiculous font. <laughs> and then the uh, I also felt like there was. A little bit of snark going on with the ending credits, especially like it, like the way that they list people in the credits. Like they listed someone as the uh, color monkey, which I'm assuming is like their color correctionist or whatever. So I was like, yeah, there's a little bit of snark going on in the in the uh, credits of the movie. Like the they're not, you know, just like if if they really were like dedicated to uh, that whole idea of like this not being a documentary and, like, you know, like Ilya said, like how they hate documentaries, Like, then you would just put it up there in, like, Helvetica and there would be no, you know, like, character to the font that they were using. Which is weird to say, like, just grab onto that. But I do feel like there was definitely some, like, authorial intent, intent in that. And also, I think, in a scene sort of in the middle of the movie where the guy is, like, watching... TV, and <clears throat> you don't ever see what he's That's watching. It's more than two-thirds of the way through the movie, but yeah. Continue. Okay, well, I. It, it's hard to tell, honestly, but uh, <coughs> it enough. seems like... Yeah, I, I wasn't looking at the like bar or whatever, but <laughs> <coughs> it seems like the guy could have been watching anything. Um, maybe it, it is what he was really watching, uh, which is the deadliest catch on the television. But just including that to me is like a huge like authorial thing where it's like, yeah, we're commenting on like you know the way that you know like this life is depicted on like reality television or whatever. Mm-hmm. and I was like that's that to me like is a huge authorial signifier right there where you're like kind of being snarky and like you know tipping your mm-hmm. you're tipping your hand a little bit there for sure, <coughs> although and I do I like-, like to oh sorry.
1: Well, I was just going to say, like, I could find that funny in a different film. Like, Mm. and funny, I I like funny. (laughs) Like, I like jokes. But the film, like, 15 minutes later ends with a dedication to all the ships lost at sea. Yeah, so weird. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, you haven't introduced us to the humanity of a single one Mm. of the crew members. And you feel like you've earned the right to, like, you know, try to give me, like, a gut punch here. Like, get out of fucking town.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I was going to say, the other thing that I like about that scene is just, like, to imagine that guy's actual inner life and being like, I love fishing so much. I watch fishing even when I'm not fishing.
1: (laughs) I thought you were going to say the thing I like about that scene is imagining him going to the premiere of the movie and watching... Watching the same way, like falling asleep. And being like, why would you include this in the movie?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the funnier part of that scene is the the commercial for like, uh, some sort of like fiber... Uh, supplement. Yeah, or whatever. it sounded
3: like some weird Alex Jones supplement shit. It was like, <laughs> yeah, it was like get rid of bad toxins in your body. Or, from yeah, constipation. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Man, like the, the whole job thing, like the, the 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 quote, the Bible quote in the beginning. Like the only the movie that that kind of reminded me of right in the right the right away is Mission Impossible that like had. Had the job, whatever, like being like, and it's it's like the most purposefully, like willfully like dumb movie that you can imagine. (laughs) Like it's the the plot is like supposed to be really, really dumb and like it's kind of a joke. And like
3: damn Gideon's ever ever <laughs> the Bible.
2: ever since then like any quote like will, will remind me from with job involved will remind me of that movie forever and in a the movie that's like it's, as serious as this it's just kind of like
1: it's <laughs> uh, really off-topic now but um, whenever I watch or think about that movie like when I was when I first saw it I was probably like 14 or 15 years old and was confused by the plot of the movie but when i saw it as an adult like when i was 22 i was like oh this is very straightforward but like adults and like professional critics were like this movie's too confusing and i'm like what (laughs) i feel like they just saw directed by brian de palma and added a layer of confusion that doesn't actually exist at the script level (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. they were like what is he really trying to say Those damn Gideons. <laughs>
2: mm. But actually, the, the point that Ruben made earlier, I think, is a pretty important one. So, you know, like, the way that the fishermen in this movie are depicted, it's mostly just through action. Like, it, either the camera is, like, hoisted on their, on their head, and, like, it's shown, like, them, uh, you know, fighting, and, like, through, like, wind and rain in order to, like, pull out some catch uh, out of the water, or, like, them slaughtering the fish that they did catch or like basically you know performing tasks any kind of labor very labor intensive like yeah. things and like well,
1: essentially showering themselves yeah, yeah. And, and it's
2: like and, and like you see them they're also like the way they're depicted is usually like see like bits and parts of their bodies like you see like shoulders tattoos you know, you see them, like, lighting a cigarette, like, giving it to another guy. Like, like, it's usually, like, you don't... And then you sometimes, like, the camera kind of fixates on, on one of them when he's, like... There's, like, a bit when he's, like, talking, but you don't really hear what exactly he says. And, like, there's, like, screams coming off in the background. They're yelling back and forth. Like, you're never really... Like, they're they're almost treated like, you know, objects within, like, this universe of fishing, like not really yeah. people with any sort of rich inner life, you know, but like just yeah. like little wheels and whatever this mechanism is like. And that's like, okay, fine, like if you're doing it like that, okay, but really then if, if that's what you're doing, if you're using them as like aesthetic signifiers or whatever, then you really don't get to then turn around and be like, oh, by the way, you know, the human cost of fishing is like really, yeah. really terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, is not cool at say. all. <laughs> like, you're not <laughs> yeah, doing do that. You're making like a, I don't know, like whatever it is, it's mostly like an aesthetic experiment, you know, like that's what it is. It has almost no social significance what you're doing.
1: Yeah, and every, it literally like every single review that I read is about that, about how it's an interesting aesthetic about how you'll really get taken uh, in yeah. about how you'll be like amazed <coughs> by the human effect on the ocean mm. and then to just like you know I guess most people just don't care but no one like mentions the fact that the end of this film has this enormous sharp left turn yeah. that it's not been built up to at all Yeah. at yeah. any point in the movie
3: <laughs> maybe people didn't even watch it I didn't see it actually like, yeah. you just turned it was... off
1: as soon as the credits appeared uh yeah it's like as as off
3: Leviathan is when i paused it i was i wasn't bored or anything i was just like crunched for time so i was like okay movie over pause yeah. <laughs> it's
1: the very next frame it says yeah, Leviathan yeah. and then it says that yeah uh, mm-hmm. but um uh what i what hope if they saw it in the theater that they didn't they walk out it. like the second yeah. that it was... <laughs> just... took right. off running Let's get out of here <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm assuming they saw it at a festival and we're like okay I gotta hurry and get to the next thing like I gotta find <laughs> <this>. but uh <coughs> I, I don't yeah. know
3: I mean I think that that's part of sort of uh like my issue with the movie overall is that even within the sort of um uh like, movie, like, I feel like like the diegesis. Yeah, there's the sense of creating, like, Ilya's talking about this abstracted thing, which I think is very cool, but then I think that the other thing of making, like, labor this kind of, like, thing that's, like, focused on, but also mundane was, like, part of what makes the movie weird to me, because I feel like you can't get, like, the boringness of it without having the shots kind of last as long as they do, but then also that, like, undercuts the other aim of the movie, which is to create these like really strange and off putting and weird images. And I was like, wow, these are two very ambitious things to be trying to do in one movie mm. and it's pretty hard to like <laughs> they they seem at odds with each other, so it's pretty tough to stick one <coughs> for the other, especially well.
2: Yeah. There's also like this weird sense of like uh you know there when when um they show a side of the ship, and then they see you kind of see like blood and guts of the fish like oh, yeah. running Just back into dump. the ocean, like being dumped back in. And it's like for a second, like I was thinking, like about how I don't know whether or not that like is like re- reflects the idea of uh, like humans creating or man creating like a other type of like um, you know a, a system of exchange. That is like mm-hmm. really not like super artificial and yet plays with like real like material, like bodies, or like you know, in this case, like fish bodies and like all this stuff. It like creates like artificial ways for like you know, um, you know, uh, living things, like sh- they have their own ways of like passing. Through life and like then like see so and like this is like a really gross way of like accelerating that process and yet you know giving nothing back you know it's just like they they take what like they like taking something from it and like pushing that shit back into like everything you don't need back into the ocean it was like a very strong kind of weirdly like affecting uh, image and yet again sort of disassociated from any larger point this movie might have wanted to make, it stays like a purely aesthetic statement. Like, oh, this is uh, upsetting, or this looks upsetting, or this looks uh, weird, or, you know... um, It it doesn't really fit into any kind of um, sense of a structural argument that the movie seems to be making. So that, because of that sort of loses its
3: affect. Yeah, uh, unless the movie is just very pro-seagull.
1: I was going to say, maybe the movie is very uh, pro... um, I can't remember the exact term. Uh, Like assimilative animals. Animals that have prospered uh, with humanity. Like um, pigeons, seagulls, rats, roaches... uh, yeah. animals Cat, that they're... Cats, dogs. Yeah? that yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, let's forget about all those other animals. Isn't the life of the seagull so much easier and better now that they can just follow ships around? <laughs> Eat their chum. <laughs> yep.
3: Created a huge ecosystem of, of air I, vermin. <laughs> I, I, I
0: didn't think it was funny, although also at odds with the uh, the movie's you know sort of like serious leanings that they list in the credits for the movie the like the names of the creatures of the movie the like latin names of the creatures in the movie so if you look through there's like i missed that that's it's like i like that we've we've already already made a a few arguments or whatever and i was just like (laughs) they listed all the seabirds names in there
2: i like that (laughs) we already (laughs) made a few arguments based on the credits (laughs) of this movie already like everything like (laughs) after the end of that, like yeah, me, and, I mean, you, me and Ruben you it's already like a bunch my of first stuff.
1: film professor uh, made us stay through the credits mm. she would um, come she would set up a sign up sheet with her TA and so everyone would sign in and then the TA would leave and then she would show up you know like 10 minutes before the movie ended <laughs> and then sit and watch and make sure people didn't leave before the credits were and then have them sign out because mm-hmm. she said that it was part of the movie yep. and mm-hmm. you know if you're gonna include it, it's you. You're gonna be judged by it. It's part of the movie now. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh...
2: Do you sit yeah, through movie was, credits was, at the yeah, at I the theater?
0: So I was uh, yeah. I was just yeah. waiting to see if they were gonna have like a post credit sequence or it's gonna tie in with the next marvel movie yeah or if this if this in behemoth we're gonna have a crossover aquaman this one about coal workers or whatever yeah Yeah. and the movie's gonna
1: end with Karl marx calling them to action
3: (laughs) it's too bad that that is so cheesy in a way because i do actually think in in the pantheon of movies this is actually like a pretty great (laughs) title for the movie because the boat does look kind of just like a giant monster (laughs) in the ocean and I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) I think Ilya's point about space is also pretty neat that it does look like kind of like an alien craft.
2: Yeah, especially because well, it's night the whole time. It's always dark. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that. what that's what actually, like, when Patrick said he didn't remember when, like, which part of, like, the thing happened with the guy. I was like, yeah, I get it. Because, like, this movie kind of doesn't really give you any sort of indication of time, like, at all. It's just, like, one thing, then the next thing. And it's not even clear if it's all in one night or over a course of, like... You know, a few months days. or whoever, who, who knows? It's
1: definitely not one night because there are parts that take place during the day. Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I was going to say that it did seem like they didn't have a lot of footage. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong, but it felt like, you know, given the fact that this movie's like an hour and a half and... Uh, almost all the shots last, like, multiple minutes or whatever. I was like, oh, this, I wonder how much footage they actually had. Maybe some of it's just out of necessity. Like, they had, like, a, like seven hours worth of footage, and they're like, well, we got to make a feature-like movie, so I guess we have to include almost everything. <laughs> yeah, there was,
0: I was going to comment on the length, actually. I actually did think that they could have cut, like, Probably 20 or 30 minutes out of this movie. (laughs) So I was like, you could have just like been a little bit briefer about some of the shots. Yeah, but then it wouldn't be a feature film
3: that could show at festivals.
0: (laughs) True. You could make it like an hour long.
3: Like, you could do that. (laughs) I don't know. When was the last time you saw an hour long movie that got released in the theaters? I don't know. I mean that's yeah. the problem, I think. <laughs> I'm that's saying, like, the problem. For marketing pro- purposes it couldn't really that, be an hour. Like that, that's I'm 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 fine with that. I like hour long movies or hour and five Christmas minutes. Christmas in July?
1: I, yeah, that's <laughs> one of my favorite
3: movies, and that's an hour and five <laughs> minutes. But uh, <laughs> like It's the I, last one I saw. <laughs> yeah. I mean there in the seventies there were like a fair amount of like seventy to seventy five mo- minute movies, although none of them were like uh, they were mostly like AIP and yeah, other yeah. Give, like me, give me a Roger
0: Corman length movie. Come on, <laughs> yeah, I I
3: would be yeah, totally
2: yeah. fine. It was very back, economical, back yeah. as a Thing, but
3: mm. uh, the movie industry as a whole apparently is not because people well, will even mean, complain when I'm. I haven't is.
1: seen it, but I remember that Inspector Gadget was so poorly. Uh, received by its test audience, they cut it down to the absolute minimum that they thought they could get away with and still call it a feature film. So it's an hour and seventeen minutes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but uh, know, I mean, like this is this is not a you know this is not a Marvel movie. Like this is an experimental documentary. How much do they think they're gonna get in terms of like? Marketing well, I got a pretty anyway. I got a pretty wide
3: release given what it is. Like, sure it sure got a, lot of a pretty of huge year.
2: critical uh, mm-hmm. you know, reception. Um I think I found like tons of reviews of this movie. I mean, I think there was like more reviews of this movie than people that actually watched it in the end. Like mm-hmm. it's like um it got it, like the the amount of uh, critical consideration compared to, like, the actual amount of people that watch this movie is, I think, a bit outsized. And that's not, like, generally a bad thing, especially when distribution of a movie is, you know, fraught with a lot of, like, problems. But in this case, I actually think that the two people being, like, from, like, a Harvard thing, you know, like, anthropologists, I'm always, like, maybe it's just the fact that I I actually studied anthropology for a little bit. And now I kind of feel suspect of anything having to do with anthropology, like, forever. Sure. (laughs) Um, So, like, I feel, you know, that's like a field of study that's, like, really weird and has a lot to do with money and access, you know, and, like, weird, like, notions of colonialism and blah, blah, blah. So, in this case, I think, yeah, that had something to do with it, these two people being from where they are. You know, and like the the amount of uh, attention it got. You
0: know, that it's got. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, now we're
0: getting to the bottom of it. Not, <laughs> not sure if it,
2: like just a bunch of fishermen decided to film their day on a fishing boat would yeah. would it get nearly as much attention? A bunch. You know?
0: Yeah. No, a couple of Harvard students. But it's probably go- be a more interesting movie. Yeah. yeah. A couple of Harvard students <laughs> stick GoPros all over a, a boat, and then it's like. Ooh. The greatest movie of the decade. Watch out, what is, what is Watch out, world! Watch out, Slam Magazine's number three movie of 2013. I wish they actually had done
3: that, though. The majority of the GoPros seemed me- hand manipulated in some way. Like I, that was like the pitch that I had heard, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." But there's going to be a bunch of weird shots where they just like figured out a weird place to strap a GoPro. But then, like for the most part. It's actually just a person holding it, not like, like yeah. a weird... They uh, had it
0: on a selfie stick or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah.
2: They should have mounted it on a seagull. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they should have. They really should have. <laughs> it seems this gu- should
1: be... Well, yeah, go ahead. This should be the basis for Finding Nemo 3.
0: <laughs> <laughs> start with this footage and make it easier. <laughs> there you go. There's Pixar's next gig. <laughs> Finding Nemo three is gonna be like found footage from a GoPro. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, just yeah. watching the computer fish animated get hacked up. Yeah, the computer animated found footage. That's Pixar's next. Uh, Normalizing wa- children. Yeah, just Nemo
2: watching reason. like the the stingrays get cut in, in three parts and just <laughs> like like watching it and crying, but like having to be very <laughs> quiet so that they don't see him that he's still alive. <laughs> it's just uh yeah yeah when they
3: dump the the big like net or whatever and then they're just like standing in like three feet of fish mm. pretty gross yeah man there's a lot of gross stuff about this movie do y'all feel sad when that seagull died
1: <laughs> you mean the bird that can't hop up at the beginning yeah it's probably gonna die but it didn't necessarily
3: It die. falls it off, the off the side of the boat, boat. and yeah. I don't think that <laughs> well, it could I think those, can I think those birds
0: can swim, though, right? Um, those bird, birds are pretty good swimmers. Yeah,
3: but <laughs> it has, like, yeah. a broken wing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It seemed maybe it seemed likely that that was just like, well, oh, there's the end of that bird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That I thought it was
1: a, a, a better example of what Ilya was talking about on the Choppy Tool podcast of a documentary and being like, I can't interfere. I must stay true. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, Here's just a shot of us watching this bird suffer. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm into this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I understand why they can't, like, tackle a person who's, like, cutting off fish heads. Like, that's their job. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. it seems like letting that... Der- Bird intentionally die on camera is like a little suspect. Yeah,
3: yeah. When it's like trying to get up on the thing and it's like, shh, and they just like sit and watch it. I was like, mm, that's uncomfortable. That's weird. No.
2: Like, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting with like this? animal documentaries when oh, you yeah. know documentarians always feel like oh they should not interfere because it's like the circle of life, literally, right? They. Can they, uh, you know, put that? And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not just the circle of life here. Like, none of these animals would even be here if it weren't for like the way that we like totally changed their habitats and like made them like change all of it. Like, can't pretend like nature exists outside of like human impact (laughs) on it. Like, it's such bullshit. It's like, oh my god, just don't touch it. It should be, it's just. You know, it's just like, ah, uh, <laughs> it's living, it's, it's life, it's, like, real life, like, we can't interfere <laughs> with it, it's such horseshit, and same here. Yeah.
0: yeah, you're not making a planet Earth documentary.
2: Wow. Yeah, like, even that, like, that's. my point is, like, even that is, like, you know, all of these areas have been, like, so impacted by humans that nothing is just, like, oh, the way it's supposed to be, or whatever, like, it's total nonsense.
1: Yeah, Another we don't sort of- know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Another sort of podcast callback. Uh, Barry went in and it's like, ooh, it's the England of the past. It's like, no, that's today. <laughs> yes. It <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Still looks like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, nature without. Oh, it the, used to be so. so Humans. Used to be I mean, so beautiful. Except for, <laughs> yeah. Except for the millions of, you know, <coughs> whatever. Megatons of carbon that we've pumped into the atmosphere, <laughs> <laughs> all the animals that we've introduced to foreign environments, uh,
3: yeah, again. and the uh, millions of bugs that we've made extinct with our <laughs> mm. sweet, sweet chemicals.
2: Yeah, but yeah, just uh, don't interfere with that lion chasing that zebra. <laughs> it's 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 the it's beauty of <laughs> of nature. <laughs> <laughs> Unfettered by human contact. Mm. But yeah, it does. Seem Meanwhile, off this...
3: camera. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Meanwhile, off camera, the best boy is spraying mosquitoes with <laughs> <laughs> like, a rate of a thousand per minute. Shh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh God.
1: <laughs> mm.
3: But yeah, since the yeah. movie is actually about industrialization, it seems even lo- more hypocritical or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> uh, look how gross machinery is. Look how gross you are for loving fish so much. And this is what it costs. And there's, yeah. Like, dra- I mean, the shot when they're dragging the water for clams or whatever, and then there's just like a zillion starfish just like completely disrupted and floating all over the
1: ocean. It's,
3: it's pretty upsetting. But yeah
1: that was the shot that I most associated the ship with being a monster <laughs> it's just launching starfish <laughs> into the ocean somewhere else
0: yeah I mean I wish it looked more like a monster I mean I don't know uh, something about the the way that they I don't know kind of like it, it seems like they Are going in to like actually like hang out with the the people in the ship and I wish that they hadn't if that was their intent to like make the people look like part of the machinery or whatever is that I wish they hadn't like lingered on their faces at all or I don't know like spent any time any like amount of time just like looking at them and what they are doing If if they really wanted it to make it look like a like real monster, I wish they had gone that route even harder.
2: Yeah, and how like how about they they would have had anything of any ideological importance to say uh, with this movie as well beyond just like giving you you know interesting imagery like the fact that documentarians think that objectivity is some like beautiful notion that is like transcends ideologies and has like really gets to the point of what film should be about is like such fucking horseshit. It's like if you think that you're not reproducing like status quo ideology by making movies in the economy that you make them in within the framework of society that you make them in, you're fucking kidding yourself. Like if you want to really actually distance yourself from that, you actually have to make something of some ideological impetus, either confronting some ideology that you're against, or, or, you know, advancing an ideology that you support, but, like, thinking that you somehow exist outside of it, and you're, like, just in this beautiful, moral, like, never-never land of aesthetics is actually, like, a really morally bankrupt thing to think. And like, yeah. the fact that so many people in documentary and in filmmaking in general really believe this to be a thing to aspire to is, I think, I d- really stupid.
1: I don't get the sense that like, that many filmmakers actually feel that way, mm-hmm. but that's absolutely the number one defense when you attack a film on a political basis, and someone who likes the film wants to defend it, hmm. <laughs> they're going to be like, don't take it so seriously, or its aesthetics are good, Yeah, you know, it's not about making that sort of point, and I'm like, yeah.
3: Sure. And then, obviously, there's the thing that I always complain about, which is the viewing public that thinks of documentaries as basically just long-form news articles (laughs) it's it's journalism so you're learning something by watching it learning something real (laughs) and truthful not something (sighs) perverted
2: by ideology yes
3: Yeah.
1: yeah i think most filmmakers want to say something and that's why they make a film even if it's something slight. But I also think that, uh, I don't know exactly what you would call it, a pure cinematic experience can still be interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, for instance, if there's a ton of ideology going on in window, window, water, baby moving, um, or if it just captures an emotional moment in time via aesthetics uh but it i mean this movie i i would never defend on those grounds because it takes place in a much more clear political landscape yeah yeah like sure it's more meaningful to not take a position when you're gonna go out on a commercial fishing boat and you're as you already pointed out from a higher class higher education background and you're gonna go in and uh try to observe them or whatever and their natural habitat and you're not gonna talk about uh mass the meat industry and like the mass market meat industry Mm -hmm. and what it does to the environment and stuff like that like
3: so weird I was I was mm-hmm. thinking about that watching the movie cuz some of the shots are so long. I was like it's so strange like how like cuz if it's if it's not the sh- crew members themselves, which I think it it alternates as far as I could tell cuz like the the very first shot is like a GoPro that's definitely on one of the fishermen's heads cuz he's like yelling in <laughs> orders at the other guy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um but then like the, uh, the shot of the tattoo and then the other shot of like the the steering guy when it focuses on his eye I'm pretty sure that was like one of the filmmakers but like what a weird thing to do like you're like standing <laughs> and just like really close with the GoPro <laughs> for like a really long time <laughs> and being like don't look at the camera though like <laughs> <laughs> just enjoy your mastodon <laughs> wow. just be like <clears throat> like going down the arm and just like staring at the tattoo for a really long time and I was just like no. I would feel so uncomfortable just, <laughs> if, if I'm that guy and someone's just like, okay.
2: Yeah. Uh.
1: One of the things that I like about Ross McElwee is how often he captures how awkward people are about the fact that he's putting the camera right in their face. Constantly.
0: <laughs> yeah, with, with Ross McElwee, it's usually like a giant camcorder, though, so he's like, right... <laughs> With the GoPro it's just like it's a, <laughs> a little thing. more. It's a little bit yeah. They have it on a selfie stick or something, I don't know. Yeah, it's more dishonest. Yeah, uh... <laughs> or
1: the another example would be the one from the same filmmaking group in the a uh, better movie, Monica Mana. So they just set up a camera <laughs> and let people react to the fact that it's pointing right at them <laughs> for fifteen mm. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or nine minutes. Something like yep.
3: that. In between it's, it's twelve. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I like the people that sit there like not looking at anything except not looking at the camera. Like their eyes are averted in the exact same. Like they just look slightly off camera the whole time, but don't like look around at all. <laughs> so they're just avoiding looking at the camera, but also not looking at anything else. But it is
2: a better movie than this one. Yeah, and also like the thing that Ruben said earlier, I I totally agree, actually, with that. Like maybe like my point was a bit too generalized in terms of like saying oh, sure. every every film has to or whatever. That's probably not true at all. I mean, you're right, and like there's plenty of movies that probably can, uh, aff- or, or can still be quite. Quite great and like have nothing of that sort of uh, that's not their main point. Like we, we want to like make a point about like uh, this or that uh, ideology. But I think it's more often than not that that is kind of the case. Um, I think usually
1: when a filmmaker or a critic says that yeah. they're defending the fact that the movie has a defunct political ideology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> right. I think
3: that even. Even if you don't have an expressly, we'll say like socio-political ideology that even if your intention is to create something like aesthetic, you're creating an aesthetic ideology. Like everything you create is informed by other things. So even if you're only trying to do something (coughs) formal, what you're doing is creating a form that is uh, either uh advancing formal ideas that you like or tr- attempting to critique formal ideas that you don't yeah so that's all still
2: and yeah. the fact that aesthetics reflect ideology is like a thing that you oh, know sure. like that's you you know the laney Riefenstahl defense right like oh right. it was like <laughs> it was just uh pretty people with uh with the innovative camera angles and shit like that, and like, well, okay, I mean, sure, you can. That's that's like, you know, if you like putting arguments into that, it's like uh, just making them uh, shielding them from any kind of uh, real, like, other involving them in the political discourse, right? So you can just like, no. I want you to talk about my movie on purely aesthetic grounds, and like that's all I'm really ready to comment on or whatever. And uh, which is, you know, occasionally that's fine, but obviously often, more often than not it's kind of a cop-out.
3: Yeah. It sure is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> especially I think, like, if you were to... you couldn't draft a perfect spectrum, if you would to start from the, like, extremely specific to the very general, like the more general you get, the more an ideology is necessary. So if your film Mm. is, I'm gonna follow a dog for a day, and I wanna see, I'm gonna make a film out of what a dog does in a day, and I'm gonna try to make the best dog day film I can. dog day afternoon. (laughs) I was like debating whether or not I should say (laughs) that.
2: (laughs) And I went (laughs) right for it. (laughs)
1: But uh, it's like uh, Russell Westbrook deciding whether or not he wants to throw an easy alley. Yes. At his <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'd rather not score this easily. Um, so yeah, with something like pretty specific like that, I think you can be pretty free from ideology. Like, yeah. here, here's a, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at an atomized moment of the human experience, oh. but then like the more generalized you get, to something, like, you couldn't do a cinema verite of, like, a courtroom mm-hmm. and be like, oh, <laughs> I don't have anything to say about yeah. the justice system. Yeah, look at these right. Look at it's these like benches.
2: That. These benches look great. <laughs> look at these wigs that everybody's wearing. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, I think that, well, uh, that is, again, like, sort of a thing that I appreciate about Frederick Wiseman is that his style is very pulled back and seemingly objective, but nothing about his movies <laughs> is trying to pretend yeah, that he's is, he not making movies about things he cares
1: about. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a big trick. Yeah, <laughs> the more Weisman films I watch, the funnier it seems to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool stuff. We can. Save that discussion for the end of the year. Yeah. 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 Are y'all ready to wrap this up? Sure.
0: Yeah. I think so.
1: Okay. Uh, Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you are enjoying the podcast. If so, please subscribe using your podcast listening application and give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, on iTunes you can also find all of our content on net, our previous podcasts as well as writings and videos Um, looks like our next one is Invaders from Mars the Uh,
3: Toby Hooper one because there are two Okay,
1: Toby Toby Hooper's Invaders from Mars and then after that we'll be doing Asian Action Canon and then our 2017 podcasts of which there will be five so get ready yeah. for that get plus the mid-season Woo. one that we already did so six 2017 plus the five movies that we did but yeah if you're, two
0: not, two if you're not if you're not sick I'll of
2: 2017 you. already you will be after you <laughs> listen to all of our podcasts <laughs> about it
0: get ready to hear
1: about <laughs> it someone should Mainline caffeine into their veins and listen to all 11 2017 podcasts without stopping. <laughs> Maybe right. some
3: fishermen during a long <laughs> 16 hour fishing
2: oh. shift. Yep.
1: All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye, Bye. Jug. Jug for now. Bye for now. <laughs>